Well, today we're continuing our sermon series, Experience Christmas. Uh, if you want to turn to your sermon notes, uh, it's in your handout. There's a little handout. You can follow along with us on the screen or on the sermon notes. I really uh, feel as though this Christmas has been a new, fresh experience for me, partly because I'm in a new city, in a new environment, in a new church. Uh, that's kind of the obvious. Uh, but also because I believe that God wants to do something new and fresh in my own life. And last week we talked about uh, this concept of experiencing life and experiencing life in Jesus. In other words, make a conscious choice of seeing Christ in Christmas. Uh, The stuff is good and gifts are good. Uh, The cookies are good. The tree is good. How many of you guys don't have your tree up? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Right? Uh, you can include me in there as well, because things have been kind of crazy. Well, I told Aria, I'm, I'm committed to putting that Christmas tree up. And I bought cookies last night, and tonight, I think, is going to be the night. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you kind of get into this mode, and I'm already counting down. I'm thinking, uh, my parents are coming in um, uh, from Canada to visit me, and we're going down to visit Kentucky for Christmas, and I'm thinking oh my goodness, and how many gifts do we need to buy, and what do we need to get, and all the parties we're doing, and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of gets busy. It gets so busy that by the time the new year rolls around, you don't even know Christmas passed. I was listening to a message this week, and the pastor, he's much older, and he said, you know, my favorite part about Christmas is seeing the taillights, you know, (laughs) and waving goodbye to people, because he's just like, it's too busy. The Christmas season is too busy. It's not that he doesn't love people, but it was just like, you get to breathe after everyone leaves. And I want to get our church and myself, and I want to challenge each one of you to take a moment every day, uh, especially during the Advent season. And this is the reason why we're doing the Advent candles and kind of reading, and uh, to make sure that every day that you give Jesus a gift, and maybe that's your time. Maybe that's your emotions. Maybe that's your worship. Uh, maybe that's going to church. You know. Maybe that's praying. Maybe that's just stopping and saying, God, thank you so much for who you are. But every day I've been trying to do that, and God has challenged me as I've gone through this series to go through things in my life, and I believe this will be an encouragement to you as well. Uh, and last week was the first installment of this sermon series. It was called Um, experience life. In other words, Jesus is life. And that we as followers of Jesus need to be people of life, Uh, not people that are, you know, dragging ourselves to everywhere and kind of living a life that's, you know, below the average. It's like, you know, I'll just kind of be the average Joe, you know, of the world. But God has not called us to be average. There's nothing wrong with that. But he's called us to be more than conquerors. Amen? And then there's life in him. And today, I want to go a little deeper, and probably it's kind of a serious topic, uh, maybe, uh, but I believe this is going to help us experience Christ in Christmas. One of the topics that it's hard for us to deal with is this topic of forgiveness. How many guys would agree? It's hard. In fact, Christmas season brings up all of these feelings and more. Matthew 1, 21 to 23 says this, and I read this last week as well. 
the angel speaking to Joseph in a dream says, she will give birth, Mary, to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Notice that Jesus came as a baby, not so we could put up these pretty Christmas trees and ornaments, and isn't this place looking good, right? Didn't the team do a great job? And this is all good, but he came, the ultimate purpose of his coming was to save us from our sins. All this took place. That's been my favorite sentence in this scripture. All this took place. All of the chaos in Joseph and Mary's life and all the prophetic messages and prophecies of past came into play. Why? To fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. What a present God that we have. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. I want to remind you again, the challenge of this sermon series is simply this. Make a conscious choice to see Christ in Christmas. It is a conscious choice. See, I preached it last week. And how many of you guys know that life gets busy, right, from Sunday to Sunday? And you're like, oh, yeah, that was the point last week. (laughs) That was the main big idea of the week. But how many guys can truly say, and I'm, I'm right there with you, that every day we made a conscious choice to see Christ in Christmas, right? Life can get busy. See, one of the greatest gifts of the coming of Jesus was the gift of forgiveness. That's one of the gifts that Jesus brought with him, even when he was born. Matthew recounts and says, you, the angel said to Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will what? Save his people from their sin. From the very beginning of his birth, this theme of forgiveness and salvation was evident. You know, the name uh, Joshua in the Bible, you, may, you guys know the book Joshua. How many of you guys know the book Joshua, right? Going into the promised land. There's actually two Joshuas in the Bible, Uh, One is Joshua, taking the people, and he was one of the leaders, taking the people into the promised land and all the battles. And the other one was a high priest after the exile. But the name Yeshua does not necessarily come from Joshua. It's a little different. In other words, Jesus' Hebrew name was Yeshua. Did you know that? In other words, you know, sometimes I feel like we're doing his name wrong, (laughs) you know, but Yeshua mean, adds a little something to the name Joshua. Joshua means the God who saves. Pretty cool, huh? When Joshua's going into the promised land, he's saving the people, he's part of what God's doing, going through battles, conquering land. God saves. The, the angel speaks 
to Joseph and says, you are to name him Yeshua, meaning I am the God who saves. See, even in his name is this label of forgiveness. He is salvation. He is forgiveness. See, Jesus wants us to experience Christmas with his forgiveness and extend that same forgiveness to others. Now, I know none of us unforgive people. None of us hold grudges. None of us have unforgiveness in our lives because we're Christians, right? We forgive people all the time, right? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I believe that even after you get saved, you can live with unforgiveness. You really can. You really can live with unforgiveness. And you can go your entire life with unforgiveness in your heart and so on. And the funny part is we prayed to Jesus, whose name means what? I am the God who saves. And we accept his forgiveness, but we walk in unforgiveness. Ironic, isn't it? I am, I'm almost convinced at this point, having lived a little bit of life, understanding that we do not live an abundant life because we just think about heaven, not heaven here on earth. So we just think about kind of give me the visa to heaven, (laughs) stamp the passport, and let me go to heaven. Kind of fire insurance. Have you heard the term fire insurance? But we forget to live life abundantly here. You know, I was thinking about this week, what is the road to experience unforgiveness like, looks like today? And so I came up with a list. Here is the road to experience unforgiveness this Christmas. Before we get to forgiveness this Christmas, I wanted to share, how can you experience unforgiveness this Christmas? (laughs) You ready for this message? It's a little anti, right? A little taste of what it looks like. The first is this, distance. Keep your distance from God and from others. That's your first step to experiencing unforgiveness this Christmas. Interesting that whenever there's unforgiveness in our lives, the first thing that happens is there starts to be space. There starts to be space between you and God. Maybe you start to not talk to God as much. Maybe you're kind of upset at God this Christmas, and that's okay, but you start to have a little bit of a distance. Number two, walls. I love that. You know, walls are a hot topic in today's political uh, climate. You say the word walls, and people are like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I am not talking about that wall. I'm talking about the hand. You know what I'm talking about, the hand? The, the, the ignoring people and Ignoring God and God speaking to us and, hey, Clint, you need to be doing this and I want you to be going here and he's trying to guide us and we're like, God, not right now, God. Maybe it's people in your life and they're trying to help you and you're like, uh, not right now. You know, I call it the hand. Walls. Number three, false belief. 
But after the first two stages of unforgiveness, you're like, I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to create some space. I'm going to go ahead and put some walls and give people the hand. And then number three, false belief. In other words, you start coming up with your own theology. How many of us are right, guilty of that? right? You start making up your own stuff, like just out of the blue. You don't even read the Bible anymore. You're just saying stuff. Maybe you don't even use the Bible. You're just saying things. I have learned in life that dot, dot, dot. Let me go ahead and fill out my status on Facebook and share all of my seven followers what's up in life, right? You start coming up with your own world and your own world has become so real to you because you've said it so many times, it has to be real. But you don't stop there when it comes to unforgiveness. It's not just okay going ahead and creating this world. See, unforgiveness, if it stopped there, would be okay. But unforgiveness always creates a distance, puts a hand up, creates false belief, and then goes to the next level, which is hostility. So I know this, even being around culture today, one of my favorite things to do is to talk to people that are far from God about Jesus. And have you noticed that culture is hostile towards one God? <laughs> I have a friend who is an atheist, and she's in Austin, Texas. She's an acquaintance, not a friend. And one of the things that she, she used to be a believer, on fire for God, a worship leader, in fact. And she has become so, um, in a good way, she wants to help people, but she's become very hostile towards God. I can tell you right now, in her life, I could see some of these things. I don't know it all, but I could see some of these things. But ironically, this week, she went ahead and put up an article. She's anti-Jesus. She put up this article on Facebook about uh, a million Muslims who are not being treated well in China, which is terrible, right? We do not want that to happen, regardless of whether you're Muslim or Christian or whatever, which is terrible. But it's interesting that she's anti-Jesus, but she's pro-Muslim. What is it about the name Jesus that's so offensive today? Could it be that it works? Could it be that every culture has tried to take out the name Jesus but has not succeeded? Could it be that men have ruined what religion Christianity looks like and the crusades and all the crazy things that were done and you got to climb a thousand steps to earn the grace of God and they still couldn't do it. Could it be that Jesus still forgives and saves? I think he does. See, if we lead this road towards unforgiveness, whether it's God or others, you will end up in hostility. You will be grumpy. You will be angry. No one wants to hang out with you. Everybody knows it. I'm telling you, look, sometimes I feel like I need to deal with this in my own life. You understand? We cannot live with unforgiveness this Christmas. If you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot live with unforgiveness in your heart. It will catch up to you. 
If you are new to God, maybe it's your first time in a long time here, and you're here listening and you're saying, you know, this is my first time in a long time back in church. I'm asking and pleading with you, allow God into your heart. Allow God's forgiveness to flood over your heart and soul and see what it looks like and feels like and what you can know in your mind and heart to say, I have released unforgiveness and Jesus can help you with that. Ephesians 2, 12 to 14 says this, remember that, time, that at that time you were separate from Christ without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, I want you to tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, you were once far away. And if you don't have one, just look, look to me and just, you know, tell me that, right? Have been brought near through what? The blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What an amazing thing Jesus did for us to forgive us even before we asked for it. How much more as followers and sons and daughters of who is the mighty king, should we be extending that? You know, for those of us that are far from God today, that's how much God loved you. He didn't wait for you to say, hey, if you're in, I'll die for you. He said, even before you even get to make that choice, I, I choose to die for you. That's love. That's forgiveness. See, the road to forgiveness this Christmas can be very hard. It can be challenging. And I think whether you're a believer or not, it is ultimately one of the things that I believe can free us to live and experience Christ in Christmas. See, the first thing I want to share with you, if we're going to make that next step, and here's what I need you to do. I want you to lean in today, and I want you to hear me out today. And I don't want anyone to feel like I'm accusing anybody. I just want you to open your hearts. And sometimes we have a, a mode, and the mode is I'm going to think before it gets to my heart. I want you to allow the Word of God to go directly into your heart this morning. It's important. Because sometimes the authority of your mind does not allow things to get into your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? We will process out God when he's speaking when we try to get him into our mind first and say, I'll filter it through my mind. Well, what if your mind has some bad filters? Is it ever going to get into your heart? So that's why it's important when we get the, the word of God to allow the word of God, not even me. The Word of God to penetrate our hearts. Can we do that? So let's talk about the road to experience forgiveness this Christmas. The first is this. Receive God's forgiveness. Receive God's forgiveness. See, so many times I've been, uh, I've been a pastor for a long time now, but uh, I've, I've heard this again and again. I, one of the number one questions that I, I feel like asking people, have you experienced the love of Jesus? 
I've been a Christian for 20 years. What are you talking about, Pastor? What's all this fruity stuff you're talking about? What do you mean the love of Jesus? Have you experienced his forgiveness? See, there's a difference between accepting and receiving. Did you know that you can be accepting of an experience that you've never experienced or received? In other words, you can be accepting of this thing called salvation. God, you died for me. I grew up in America. I went to church, went to Sunday school. My mom threatened my life. I had to be in church. I was there all the time where the doors are open. I have to accept it. This is what we did. And besides, there's nothing else cool to do on Sunday mornings. We show up to church. That's what we've always done. Are you accepting of it or have you received it? Have you really received this gift of God's forgiveness? Or are you just in this camp of saying, well, I think it's real. Isn't that what we're doing here? Isn't that what we just did with the communion wafer thing? It's, it's, can we get some more juice next time? See, as a follower of Jesus even, you can go your entire life making it to heaven. You're going to make it to heaven. But you can live in a place where you have not dealt with unforgiveness in your life because you have not received God's forgiveness. What does God's forgiveness look like? It looks like you begin to understand that you are not worthy of what you just received. That you are so overwhelmed with the love of God and the reasons of why he did it, even before me asking for it, that you're overwhelmed by his presence. See, when you realize that grace is poured out on you abundantly for no reason other than love, you begin to recognize and accept God's forgiveness. 1 Timothy 1, 13 to 15, Paul, man, was he a general of generals in the Bible. He makes this statement to his young protege, and he says this, even though I was once a blasphemer and a, uh, and a persecutor and a violent man. See, Paul was no spring chicken. He hated Christians. In fact, he was in charge of the little militia to kill Christians in the early church. And God radically changed his life. And the forgiveness of God, as he began to go ahead and receive it, God begins to use him in a way that nobody could contain. He says this, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. See, that's the first thing. When you receive God's forgiveness, there's a sense of humility in your life. You start to say things for real. <laughs> you start to come out of the closet, and you start saying things. Man, I don't have this figured out. I don't know what to do, God. You start talking to people real. Like, you walk in on Sunday morning, how's it going? You ain't be like, oh, it's going great. Life is good. You're like, oh my goodness. You won't believe what this week was like. It was crazy. Would you just pray for me? Because I don't know how I'm going to survive next week. See, that's why when you receive God's forgiveness, you can be real with people. You want to know why? Because God gave you something nobody else could. See, the grace of our Lord, Paul says, was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love 
that are in Christ Jesus. So here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, Paul says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Wow. Have we received forgiveness? It's my... One of my things that I, I believe the Lord has challenged me over the last few years. You've got to do instant forgiveness. You've got to let things go, brothers and sisters. You are followers of Jesus. We have received the ultimate prize. And we have received abundant love. We've got to let it go. We've got to learn to forgive. If you are far from God today, I want to encourage you. God's grace is available to pour into your life abundantly, abundantly. It don't matter what you did. There is nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. All you got to do is say, God, today is the day. And there's life in the room. Isaiah 1.18, through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord speaks, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you will only obey me. So we have to humble ourselves and ask God and receive God's forgiveness. It's not just going to come, you know. I wish it did. It's kind of like the Amazon box that comes to your door. You know, if you didn't order something, it's somebody else's. You know, you got to go online and you got to tell, you got to tell Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. If you're a Christian in this room today and you're living with unforgiveness in your life, you need to go to the Lord today, before you leave today, and tell him, I accept your forgiveness, Jesus. Maybe there's things in our lives that we got to forgive other people, right? We have to say that today. I forgive that other person. Why? Because Jesus, you forgave me. We will turn the world upside down if we just did that one thing. In fact, that could be the whole message. I'm done. All right. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Number two. Here's the the second piece to the road to experience forgiveness this Christmas. We got to give forgiveness. Oh, I know. I can hear the paper, paper shuffling in the room. It's easy for us to talk to God and to be forgiven by God, but isn't it hard to give forgiveness? But pastor, you don't understand, this person has been the thorn in my hip bone for the last 12.75968 years. I am praying against the enemy. How am I supposed to forgive the enemy? (laughs) Matthew 10.8 says, freely you have received. So what? Freely give. Wow. Wow. I forgot about that. (laughs) 
God is simply stating to his disciples, freely you have been given the grace in your life to be in this place right now in the relationship with God. Freely you have gotten everything that you know. You know, even the fact that you know Bible verses and you have a relationship with God, it is the grace of God in your life. So when we have received grace, we have to receive it with open hands and then we got to leave them open. See, so many of us, we receive that grace and then we get it from God and we're like, it's mine. I'm not going to give it away. And so spiritually, it looks like this. This is how you're walking around. Kind of looks like you're ready to fight too, you know what I mean? <laughs> Ironically. Um, you walk around with this grace that you've got, and it's like, okay, well, I like you. What's your personality type? Okay, yeah, we can hang out, go to a ball game, hear some. We cannot choose what we did not get or earn. God gave us something so free. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21 says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore what? All died. What does that statement mean? I don't know if you've ever read that passage before. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one, Jesus, died for all, and therefore all died. How do we all die when one person died? Because if we are found in the person who died, we all died. When he died and we accepted his salvation, what's saying is we are dying to ourselves. We are saying yes to Jesus and no to us. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's right. That's not the name of a ministry. This is our biblical call as followers of Jesus to pursue a ministry of reconciliation. Did you know that? That is what we're called to do. It's not a fancy nonprofit or a ministry name, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, minister of reconciliation. No, each one of us here are ministers of reconciliation if you have accepted Jesus in your life. We are to learn to give forgiveness, freely give what you have received. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. Come on, United Nations. When you walked in today, the guys put up the flags on the ceiling. Somebody a couple weeks ago said, it kind of looks like the United Nations in here. I think it was Doug, right? I was reminded of that in this verse, that you guys are ambassadors of Christ. You take Jesus into foreign places, called your workplace, called your city, called your neighborhood, called your family Christmas party that's coming up, or your office Christmas party. See, when everyone's wondering why you ain't getting down with it and going crazy and going, you know, absolutely nuts with drinking and, and partying it up this Christmas, guess what you are? You're ambassador of Jesus. That's why 
You don't have to be like, well, I, I kind of, you know, I'm a designated driver. You don't have to fake it. You have to walk around with your head low. I'm a Christian. We don't believe in having fun and going crazy. No, Jesus is life. Jesus is fun. I'm an ambassador of the Most High King. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. Man, if I could give you guys all a little badge this week, I would. And it would say the righteousness of God. Makes you walk up with your shoulders up. You don't have to worry about it. You got a crazy day. It's okay. God's mercies are new every day. Just hang out for a little bit, and His mercy is going to flood your life. His grace is going to flood your life. Next thing you know, they're like, didn't you just go through a crazy event yesterday? What's wrong with you? Do you not feel? (laughs) Do you have no emotions? And I said, no, I'm the righteousness of God. God moves in and through my life. How can I not be thankful? How can I not be grateful? How can I not give freely what I have freely received? Amen? The third road to experience forgiveness this Christmas is simply this. Now, this is going to get hard. If you thought the first two was hard, it's going to get a little bit more harder. It's going to be a little bit more harder. I want you to hang out with me a little bit. I thought about saying a joke for no reason right here to lighten the mood. And I was just like, it's probably not going to work. You know? <laughs> None of you guys are going to laugh. The, th- the truth is this. We have to initiate forgiveness as followers of Jesus. We get to go first. You don't wait around <laughs> as followers of Jesus. You get to go first. But Jesus, you said the last will be first, so I want to be last in this category, you know. That's not how the Word of God works. See, to experience forgiveness this Christmas, we have to understand this, that not only do we need to receive God's forgiveness, praise God, amen, I receive it, I'm all about it. Not only do we need to give forgiveness, yes, Lord, From the church to that person, Lord, I forgive that person, kind of, you know, go ahead, Lord, just just remove this person from my life or remove this person from my thoughts and hearts. But then he says, you get to go first. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet still sinners... Christ died for us. While I was still far from him, he died for me. I represent that kind of a God. And therefore, I go first. See, if we were to go ahead and take a survey today of how many people are hurting today because someone else has hurt us in the room. I think all of us would raise our hands. See, but forgiveness doesn't just start when we receive God's forgiveness and then the next step is to release the person. Forgiveness actually becomes reconciliation. 
When you are the first to say, I don't even know how to say this, but I'm sorry. I don't even know how this happened, but I'm sorry. This is the identifying factor of a follower of Jesus. More than any other religion or system, we are the first to the line to love people and to say, I'm sorry. See, we don't know what people are going through. We don't know what's happening in their lives. We don't know why things happened. We don't know all the angles there is to every coin, every story, every circumstance. But our posture needs to go from this to this. It's simple. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. You know, the word blessed actually means happy, but not like happy when you go to a ball game or happy when you get a gift. It actually means favor. In other words, favor on your life. When blessed are the peacemakers, it says there's favor on the peacemakers. See, when you're blessed, you carry that favor. You take that favor with you. So many times we think that peacemaking is a skill set. We think that peacemaking and conflict resolution, we need to pay lots of people to coach us on how to be better at these things. Actually, the Bible never tells us anything about conflict resolution. It's actually very much a cultural norm. Why? Because in the Bible, we go first. That is the resolution. No matter what people do to us, we choose to make peace because the God of peace gave us his forgiveness. So how much more do I need to forgive people? But pastor, you don't understand. My marriage, my family, my history, the person that did this to me, the person that did this to me, I am telling you, if you allow God's forgiveness to come into your life, it would overwhelm you so much so that you will have to give it away. This is what God does. He takes that heart of stone and he begins to apply it and you start to feel things again. You begin to start to hear things again. You begin to start listening to people. You begin to start serving people. You begin to start saying, how can I make things right first? James chapter 3, 17 to 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all what? It's pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Did you know that when you extend grace, you're sowing peace? You don't even know when you're going to harvest it. 
But what are you going to harvest? You're going to harvest righteousness in your life. See, some of us, we want that instant gratification, but that's not how God works all the time. He could do that. I believe that choices lead and feelings follow. Choices lead and then feelings follow. But we're taught in this culture, let your feelings lead and then make the choice. The Bible teaches us that you make the choice. You settle it in your spirit. And then guess what happens? Feelings follow. Say, if you are someone who does this in the room, which I believe many of you are, you already know this. This is how you move from glory to glory. And God begins to use you and change you more and more every day. And you continue to grow. You continue to be humble. You continue to say to people, yes, I believe in you. Even though it may be a crazy situation, a circumstance, I believe in you. So if you're far from God today and you haven't received that forgiveness, that's what's waiting for you. That's what's waiting on you. This overwhelming forgiveness and love to say, come into the kingdom of God. Make that choice today. And I believe your feelings will follow. You really, you could take that to the bank. It's almost a money back guarantee. You do what Jesus tells you to do and your feelings will follow. You begin to live a life that's sowing peace and righteousness. All of a sudden, it becomes a habit. All of a sudden, you become a person that loves the nature and the very presence of God more than the chaos of life. It's that simple. That becomes your source and that sustains you. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. Father, I pray right now, through your spirit, I pray right now that you begin to minister to each person here. I pray for the choice. I pray for the choice in the name of Jesus. I pray right now you begin to minister to people in the name of Jesus. I pray right now that you begin to do the impossible. I pray right now you begin to minister to each person here today under the sound of my voice. God, I pray right now that each person here would experience forgiveness and in turn experience who you are in a real and tangible way this Christmas. God, I pray that we would choose not to take the road or not to experience the road of unforgiveness this Christmas, but to choose the road of forgiveness. So Lord, I pray right now you begin to minister to each person here today. Begin to speak to them. Begin to mend the broken places in the name of Jesus. 
for those that are far from you today. Maybe they've been attending church, maybe even this church for a long time, but they're they are far from you, God. They, they're just going through the motions and, and they're coming to church, but they're, they're far from you. They have not experienced your forgiveness. I pray that your forgiveness and your love and your spirit would draw them close right now for the greatest gift of all, which is the gift of salvation. Thank you, God, that you are a good God. Thank you, God, that you are beginning to do great and mighty works deep inside the wells of our soul and spirit. Help us to release those that have hurt us. Help us to release forgiveness that you have so freely given us. Lord, help us to be first to go to the person and for reconciliation to happen. To look forward to that moment where you can minister through the ministry of reconciliation that you paid a price for. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for your words. Thank you, God. Come on, just allow him to to minister to you today.